The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect that of the staff and management of Good Karma Brands, but are the sole responsibility of the hosts and guests of this particular show. America may have many, many days, but they will be full of trouble. There will be no rest. There will be no tranquility in this country. Until a nation comes to time with our problem. Bringing you social and political commentary from his mouth to your ears. Breaking down the issues which matter to you. You are not put here to be a white man's footstool. You are put here to represent the very best in God's world. Legendary civil rights icon, the Reverend Jesse Jackson in the studio. Reverend Jackson, how are you? Good morning on this chilly Milwaukee morning. And I am pleased to have one of the founding members of the Black Panther Party, Chairman Bobby Seale. Mr. Chairman, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. From Mr. Eric Holder. Mr. Holder, so good to see you. How are you? Well, I'm fine, man. How you been? It's been a long time. Haven't seen you for a while. The Dr. Cornell West. Dr. West, how are you, sir? My dear brother, you're so kind. You're so generous. So, man, but I salute you and the work that you were doing there. Doing a magnificent job there, Wisconsin. Stream live on 1017thetruth.com. Call in with your questions or comments. 833-212-1017. Join us on social media at 1017thetruth. It may not be what you expect to hear, but I will definitely give you what you need to know. Are you ready for the truth? I want the truth you can't handle the truth now live from the american family insurance studio at the avenue in the heart of downtown milwaukee here is sherwin hughes good morning welcome to the program today is monday february 26 2024 what i really want to do today is talk about the demographics of people that use social media It's really really important As we move toward November of this year, where you guys are supposed to do a thing in November, you're supposed to go and vote for two old people. Well, only vote for one of them, but they're old, and you guys have made it clear that you don't like either one of them. You don't like them because one is an idiot. The other one is Trump. You guys don't like the choices, but I also want and need people to know that this is who this nation is. We can't run away from it. And if we don't like what we see, isn't that crazy? Then when you hold the United States of America up to a mirror or you hold the United States up to the rest of the world, this is what we get. 350 million people in this country. These are the two. So this is a reflection of us. And if you don't like that, my question to you is, what are you going to do about it other than pick one? But because so many people get their information and their entertainment from social media, and I include YouTube as does this information. And I have the YouTube is considered social media as well. I learned how to like fix stuff in my house. Sometimes stuff is broken. I go to YouTube. I had to get a car battery replaced on New Year's Day, actually. My first interaction with the brand new city of Milwaukee plus Milwaukee County increased sales tax hit me on the first day of the year because I had to get a new car battery. I paid $14 in sales tax for a car battery. That's neither here nor there. But because of the kind of vehicle that I have, changing the car battery is not like in a normal regular gasoline engine. So it's underneath the trunk floor where you have to remove all of these panels. And I went to O'Reilly, a place that typically buy a car battery, they can replace it. Because they had never, the people at O'Reilly 
had never replaced the battery in a Chevrolet Volt. They literally didn't know how to do it. I even got my owner's manual. Doesn't even say much in the owner's manual about how you replace the battery. So we, me and the guy at O'Reilly, I'm holding my phone and we're watching the YouTube video and we are working together in the parking lot, changing my battery. That is a very productive use of social media. Now, there's also unproductive uses of social media. There's also a lot of manipulation, isn't there? There's a lot of misconstruing of facts, isn't there? There's a lot of fake news and people are buying into that. So I want to take a look at who are the people. I want to know everything about the people that use the different social media platforms. What level of education do they have? Are there differences by race? Is there a social media platform that is more preferred by high-income, highly-educated African-Americans? What about this other demographic group that seems to have this grip over the Republican Party? And this is very shocking. I want to talk about this today, too. Non-college-educated white folks, white men in particular, are so committed to Donald Trump. I don't even know if they're committed to the Republican Party. They're just really committed to Donald Trump in this should be a cautionary tale and this should have alarm bells sounding all over the place because they are a demographic group that are they're shrinking yet Donald Trump needs all of them if he is to beat Joe Biden in November and I understand the anxiety that they have because they are shrinking non-college educated Caucasian men in particular, some non-college educated Caucasian women that are in that baked into that cake as well. But this is a shrinking demographic. And it seems that the Republican Party is either catering to really, really wealthy people like mega millionaires and billionaires and cutting their taxes all the time and non-college educated white men. I got to tell you all something, and I don't know if you're going to believe me. Those demographic groups in the Republican Party, really super wealthy people that don't like taxes, they get tax cuts all the time, and non-college educated white people have nothing in common. Skin color ain't enough. Culturally, they're different. They do different things. They go different places. Their lives are different. Obviously, their incomes are different. What they do for fun is different. The structure of their families is different. And I'm blown away by it. And so the people at the very, very top, and of course there's very wealthy, you know, Democrats and liberals as well, but we wouldn't consider those folks a core part of who the democratic party is. The democratic party is the diversity. The democratic party is, is women. The democratic party are people that are in labor unions. The democratic party are people of African American descent. Like that is, like the backbone of the Democratic Party, backbone of the Republican Party right now under Donald Trump is non-college educated white men and some white women and people at the very, very, very top of the income scale. And you have to think that this is very a similar theme that we have seen in another portion of American history when wealthy land owning plantation owners, estate owners had Poor, landless, penniless whites join the Confederate Army and fight on their behalf. How is it different? They have nothing in common. What they have in common is manufactured, and that is the concept of race. 
How do you get wealthy people to get poor people or working class people or uneducated people to fight their battles on their behalf? That, ladies and gentlemen, is the American experiment. How do you get people to do stuff for you so you don't have to lift a finger? Because the people at the very, very top, super wealthy people who are always getting their taxes cut, there's not enough of them in the country to sway an election. They're a very small group. You know how we talk about the top 1%, top 10th of 1%, just numerically, there's not enough of them to have any kind of influence with their raw votes. Where they have their influence is with their money. But it's the lower end of the income and education scale that allows for those people at the very, very top to control American policy. And the only thing they have in common. And here's the thing. The people at the very, very top, they don't see themselves in the image of white working class people. In fact, they despise them. But they keep the gig going to give this appearance that they are working together in lockstep. They are not. So what we are really witnessing, as long as Donald Trump is at the helm, the destruction and the disintegration in the Republican Party, as we know it, going extinct. And so here's why I'm incredibly concerned. I'm concerned about a lot of stuff. But when the Republican Party realizes it cannot keep going down this road of catering to a demographic that is getting smaller, Non-college educated Trump loving white men, they are shrinking. They are not multiplying. Even if you make abortion illegal, there's still not going to be enough of that demographic group produced to save the Republican Party. The Republican Party is not going to go away forever. They are going to reinvent themselves. And this is what brings me great concern because we don't know what that reinvention looks like right now. They're flirting with fascism. You got to be able to pay attention to the subtle signs because fascism in America will look different than it did in Europe. Fascism here is going to be holding a Bible and it's going to be wrapped in an American flag and it's going to be very, very patriotic and you won't even know that it's happening. That is what fascism is going to look like here. But then when you pay attention to some of the details of what Donald Trump is saying, well, we're going to withdraw from NATO. And for whatever you know about NATO for this conversation, that doesn't even matter. That basically says the United States is going to be an isolated country. We are going to withdraw from the rest of the world. We are going to withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord. I know some of y'all don't believe in the climate change. I bet you it's going to be 70 degrees tomorrow in February, but you ain't got to believe me. Y'all know that this is not normal, right? Do you guys know that this weather is a normal? Or you guys just are enjoying it. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you on that. But when you hear a potential leader of this nation saying that we, the United States of America, no longer a superpower, let's be clear about that. We used to be. But when we start withdrawing from the rest of the world, we're going to become like one of those isolated countries. And here is why you black folks and all the brown folks and people that speak a language other than English need to pay attention. Because when our nation begins to withdraw, you become like a Russia, you become like a North Korea where no one can tell you what to do. There is no guiding principles. You are not on the same stage with the rest of the great world leaders trying to move humanity forward. When the United States begins to withdraw from our international connections, that means that we can do more disproportionate damage 
to our people here in this nation. Then what else is next? Then the news media starts getting censored, just like North Korea. There are reasons for Donald Trump wanting to cozy up to dictators because he's trying to figure out how they do it. First thing you got to do is you got to withdraw the United States from all of these other international coalitions that do stuff like, you know, promote democracy and, you know, fight terrorism. We cannot allow for the sake of us. We cannot allow a human being to withdraw the United States from the rest of the world. I have many things to talk about today. And we're going to talk about maybe like 10 percent of them because somebody's going to call and then the show It's going to go left. Hello, Zach. How are you doing today? Are you doing well? Yes. Okay. You look like, oh, there's a bell. All right, Zach. We're going to uh, to take a break. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk about the demographics of people that use social media. Some of this information might shock you a little bit. We'll discuss that next. We're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. I'll be right back. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I get a lot of information from the internet. Like, uh, all of it, kind of. And I got to stop doing it. They say this ain't good for you. So when you wake up in the morning time, your brain is like in a real like fragile state because you're transitioning from like alpha waves to beta waves. Like I don't understand all that stuff. That's all scientific and whatnot. But like you're, you're in a delicate state. And the worst thing you're supposed to do right when you wake up is get on social media because how it messes with your dopamine. You're not supposed to do that. Here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to listen to music. Like that actually helps you become more productive during the day because when you start your day by looking at social media, your brain is like in an unregulated, unusual kind of state. It's weird. I read an article on it. It was fantastic. I read the article on the Internet, by the way. And so you're not supposed to check the social media. But for some reason, I I have to. I got to see what happened overnight because y'all will know what happened overnight or what happened in real time a lot of times before the news outlets do. And we're getting to a point now where news outlets are going to social media to see what individual people are talking about and discovering. And that is how some local news is getting its coverage. What that means is that your local newspapers in 10 years, gone, if that long. They don't break news like they used to because everybody has access to the world and everybody can type stuff and send stuff and take pictures and take videos and go live et cetera, et cetera. So it's a productive way to get information. It just kind of screws us up a little bit. Candidates advertise on social media. I'm sure you've seen their Facebook pages. Sometimes they run ads. Sometimes they'll run ads on uh, YouTube, depending upon where you live and what your voting record is. When you start a YouTube video, you'll see this thing called a pre-roll. A lot of times pre-roll are like advertisements for products or whatever. But as we get closer to November, you're going to see more pre-roll advertisements for political candidates or you're watching a YouTube video and then in the middle of the video there'll be a commercial where an ad is inserted you're going to see political candidates advertising there as well sometimes at the end of your YouTube videos you also may see an advertisement for a product or a service you also may see campaign correspondences for someone who is running for public office so a lot of us 
get our information and we are bombarded with advertisements on social media. So if I look at these different demographics of people that are using social media, which ones they prefer, then you know which social media outlets can have a tremendous amount of influence on people. The other thing about the pervasive use of social media, and I think if it, if it boils down to one thing, I mean, yeah, it's entertaining. Yes, it's very informative. I told you me and the guy that at O'Reilly Auto Parts had to look at a YouTube video to figure out how to change my car battery in my Chevrolet Volt. So it's all of those things. But it also creates emotion. How many times are you scrolling and you stop and you see something that is just it's outrageous, it's infuriating or it's really, really funny and it creates a sense of emotion. Sometimes you see things and it's very sad, is it not? Um, scrolling through social media, you'll see oh, rest in peace. So and so do you all understand that, that this is how I find out how people die? People used to call you on the phone and I guess to some extent they still do. But if it's like an extended friendship or a friend of a friend. Social media will tell you when people are dead. It is an overwhelming place when it comes to information, but also at the same time evoking emotion in people. And that also is why it's dangerous because if there is something that can create emotion in you, that can evoke your emotion, positive or negative, then they're going to be looking to invoke your wallet shortly thereafter. If you can create a sentiment or create a feeling with someone, good or bad, positive or negative, then you likely can have control over their consumer behavior. Do y'all ever wonder why Mark Zuckerberg is worth a big trillion dollars and Facebook is free? Does that make any sense to anybody? Now, they do sell ads on Facebook, but Facebook was a multi-billion dollar company before it was overrun with ads. Facebook was a multi-billion dollar company before they purchased the rights to Instagram, before they purchased the rights to their own generic version of Twitter, which is no longer Twitter. It is now X. The Facebook version is called Threads, and I refuse to sign up for Threads because I don't need it. You want Threads, Zach? Yep. Yeah. Of course you are. Twitter is going down the tubes. It's just a bastion for racism. Elon Musk is worse than I thought. And I used to want a Tesla. I don't want a Tesla no more because it's like a racist mobile. But man, that Waddle Mod, that Model Y performance version, oh, that's something special, but I can't buy it. Social media is dangerous, and so I have, and you guys know that. It's worth, I'm going to tell you what, because you know how y'all blame uh, video games for young people reckless driving? Oh, it's because they're watching so much GTA. Uh, they're playing all these violent video games and all these first person shooter video games. I'll meet you halfway on that. I'll say, okay, maybe it does have some kind of influence when it comes to young people that are already kind of on the edge. Maybe that's like the additional boost that they need to do something heinous because they have been so influenced by the video games. But I would say that the influence on older people that get their information and their political information from Facebook has a more negative influence on grown adults than video games has on kids. Let me tell you why. Russia played y'all in 2016. Those anti-Hillary Clinton ads, all that stuff that you saw, and they showed all of the looting and the rioting of the black people, and people were bombarded with that, and then Donald Trump is going to be the one who's going to stand up for America and bring us back to law and order. Vladimir Putin has been playing us since the very beginning. 
since the very beginning because he knew because of the relationship that he has had with Trump going back probably two decades. Because, you know, Donald Trump wanted to build a, a Trump Tower in Moscow. Did you know that? Oh, you didn't know? Thought you knew. So there's a relationship there that has gone on for a very long time. There's even some, I know you may find this shocking, some questionable financial connections when it comes to Donald Trump and where he got his money from and where he was and how he was able to inflate the values of his real estate. He's in court for all of it now, but somebody somewhere was backing him. The other thing about Trump is what they do. It's a, this is Nazi propaganda is you blame your opponent for what you're doing. Okay. If you're doing something basic, no, no, that's not me. And that's Joe Biden doing it. That's what they do. That actually works as simple as that is and as ridiculous as it might sound. It actually, it actually works. So you guys know that there was this fake story where an FBI informant made up this, he made the story up and now he's under arrest and under investigation. The whole Burisma, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden taking $10 million worth of bribes that Fox news went crazy over for, I don't know how many years, totally a made up lie. And do you know where that came from? Russian intelligence. Like our biggest ops right now is Russia. That's why you got Republicans in the House of Representatives that do not want to give more money to Ukraine. Like Russia is our enemy and they have been since the ending of World War Two. They hate us. We hate them. Why do you think we got nuclear weapons to bomb Kansas? No, to bomb them. Our nuclear weapons in this country are pointed directly at Russia's ass. That's they're not pointed to Canada. We like Canada. They're not pointed to Japan because been there, done that. They're pointing at Russia. But now all of a sudden we want to reduce our aid to the nation that is fighting our biggest enemy on our behalf. Because, you know, if Ukraine falls, then the next country will fall. I would rather we give printed money to Ukraine so they can fight Russia, because if we fight Russia, It's mutually assured destruction. The power that the fake news had on the American electorate in 2016, 2015 and 2016 that led to the rise of Trump is now paying dividends. If you live in an urban area, 66% of you use Facebook. 68% of people who live in the suburbs use Facebook. Rural areas, 70%. Of people that live in rural areas, in country areas, Facebook is their most favored social media platform. Their least favorite is a social media platform called Be Real. Never heard of it. You heard of Be Real before? Yeah. What's what's it like, Zach? What's Be Real like? Uh, You have to take a picture of your, like, front screen and back screen at a certain time. Interesting. Yeah, that's about it. And then you can't see what other people post until you do it. Huh. All right. Yeah, I just heard about it today. Now I'm curious about Be Real. Be Real, which I may bring up again in the program, is the social media application that is preferred by people who have the highest levels of education and make the most amount of money. So if you're $100,000 plus and have at least a bachelor's degree, master's degree, or PhD, like Be Real has the monopoly on those people. Maybe that's why I never heard of it, because I'm broke and only have a bachelor's degree. You guys think I have a radio show. I'm actually just a janitor here at the Third Street Market Hall that just didn't have anybody to fill this time slot. Thank you. 
Instagram, if you are an urban dweller, so you live in a city, 53% of people who live in the city use Instagram. If you're suburban, 49% of suburbanites use Instagram. If you live in the rural area, 38%. I find that interesting. So as you move away from the city, your likelihood of being on Instagram goes down. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to get into race and gender. What social media platforms are preferred by the blacks? What social media platforms are preferred by you whites? Let's also look at income and education as well so we can see specifically where people of certain demographic groups are being influenced by social media. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 101.7 FM. I'll be right back. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 101.7 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Let's look at Facebook. 69% of white folks in America use Facebook. Yikes. So I'm, I'm giving you guys this information. So if you want to reach a specific demographic group for whatever your purposes are, some of you are entrepreneurs, some of you are business owners. And if you want to reach a certain demographic group, I'm going to give you the social media that these demographic groups use. I don't know what your products are. I don't know what your services are, but your products and services might have highly educated, wealthier African-Americans in mind. So I'm going to illustrate to you and show you where you can reach them on social media. So if you want to advertise to somebody, advertising on television is too expensive and the net is way too large. You can get really, really specific when you advertise and promote on social media if you know how to do it right. And I'm finally going to get to the topic of African-American-owned businesses. I've been, you know, playing with the idea of getting to that topic all of last week, but we got distracted by a bunch of things because there's something I want you guys to know about black businesses and what we seem to be getting wrong. There's too many of us that have an entrepreneurial spirit and there's too many businesses that just don't make it. Or we continue to sell the same products to each other over and over and over again. We are bludgeoning the African-American consumer, but here's what we're getting wrong. You ain't going to like what I have to say, but I'm going to have to give you some details about it later. You ain't going to like what I'm going to have to say. You ready to hear something you ain't going to like? Oh, I don't even know if I want to say it. If you're a black African-American entrepreneur, for some reason you think that black people need to gravitate toward your products. And if what you have is good, we will. But you can't say, hey, buy this stuff you don't want, you don't need, you'll never use because I'm a black entrepreneur because I'm a black person. That sounds like charity. You ain't going to get rich selling stuff based upon charity. You have to have a product or a service that is of value and of use to us if you want black people to be your number one consumer. But I need you to know something with the amount of disposable income that African-Americans have in this nation on a whole. We're already tapped out, baby. We're already committed to other brands unless you got something extraordinary and or monumental where we will break our commitment with that brand and come over to you. But that's very hard to do because we are so brand loyal. We really are. Have you ever considered 
whatever your product or your service is. Sell something that black people can't afford. You understand? It will become so incredibly exclusive and coveted. That's how you get black people. Something that is so upper echelon and top notch that we can't even afford it. I promise to God we will find a way and we will make it a part of our culture. We love expensive stuff. We love stuff that's not even made nor marketed toward us. You think they marketed $150, $70 Timberland boots to us? Nope. They're a work boot. We're not going to get into the details of Tommy Hilfiger. Now, he does not have the influence on African-American fashion sense now like he did 30 years ago. Dude did market his clothes to us. Do you know if you wanted Tommy Hilfiger back in the day, you had to go to Marshall Fields. I remember a Tommy Hilfiger, just a regular red sweatshirt with a Tommy logo on the chest. This is when I was in high school. I was 14, 15 years old. That sweatshirt was $90. You know, $90 back in 1990 is probably 300 bucks today. And I wanted that sweatshirt so bad. And guess what? Got it. Mama. <laughs> Mama, please. Make products that black people can't afford. That's it. And we we get it wrong. You cannot expect if you're a black entrepreneur, don't worry, I'm going to get back to the social media stuff too, but I got to just put this out in the universe. If you're a black owned business, you are too narrow and too limited in just trying to sell and market your products to black people. We are probably already committed to a product, to a service, to a brand, and we're very loyal. If we purchase something, then we're probably going to stick with that brand for whatever the reason happens to be. What you really should do, and I've said this a million and one times, if you're a black entrepreneur and you want to be in it for the long haul, you want to be your own boss, you want to expand, you want to make good money, you want to be able to hire people, you want to be able to take your profits and reinvest them back in your neighborhood, market and sell your products to people that have an unbelievable amount of disposable income. You as a black entrepreneur, you got to figure this out now. This is where segregation actually helps us or hurts us rather. does not doesn't help us. It hurts us because when we are geographically separated from a group of people, you don't know them. You don't know what their habits are. You don't know what they buy, right? You don't, you have no idea how to market to them. If you're a black entrepreneur and you want to be in it for the long haul, market your products toward white people. Absolutely. That's what you do. First of all, there's more of them and they have more money to spend on all sorts of things in every measurable consumable consumer category. They spend more money because they have more money and there is more of them. If you want to market a product, you want the biggest possible net you can get, right? You want everybody to buy your product, don't you? So if you're an African-American entrepreneur and you're thinking, okay, I want to have black centered progress or products rather, and just sell them to black people. How big is your market actually going to be? Your mar- in the grand scheme of things, if you distribute distribute your products in America, thirteen percent, thirteen percent of one hundred percent are going to be your consumers. No, 
You want 100% of people in this country to buy and to fall in love with your products and your services. So if you're a black entrepreneur and you're just creating products and marketing your products just to black people, you're out the gate. You're only starting with 13% of the population. And of that 13%, like half are children. The other half, other 20%, simply can't afford it. 2% are in jail. You know, I'm just being honest with you. So when you set out to market your products exclusively and specifically, if you're starting out with your business and you just want to market to black people, you don't have enough of a consumer base, quite honestly, unless you've got a stellar product. And I look around the landscape and I see what African-Americans are selling and I see the kind of entrepreneurial endeavors that we're involved in. It's a lot of the same stuff. It really is. Our restaurants sell the same food. There's far too many African-Americans who have dessert shops and sweet shops. We already have diabetes. We need to start selling insulin. That's what we need to do. You want to market to black folks? Medicine. Vicks VapoRub, which which is the be-all, end-all when we're sick. 64% of African-Americans in the United States of America use Facebook. 66% of Hispanics use Facebook. 67% of Asians in America use Facebook. Of the racial categories in America, black, white, Hispanic, and Asian, I know there's others. African-Americans use Facebook the least. Think about that. So if you are marketing your products and your services, now it's not by much, it's 2%. But if you are marketing your products and your services to an African-American clientele, Facebook is not where it's at. Instagram. 43% of Caucasian Americans use Instagram. 46% of black people use Instagram. 58% of Hispanics in this country use Instagram. And 57% of Asians in this country use Instagram. So if you want to market a product or a service to Hispanics and Asians, Instagram is your bet. What about LinkedIn 30% of Caucasian folk use LinkedIn. 29% of blacks in this country use LinkedIn. 23% Hispanic, 45% Asian. Twitter, now known as X. 20% of whites use Twitter. Twitter, 23% of blacks use Twitter. 25% of Hispanics use Twitter. The Asians got to Twitter on lock. 37% of the Asians use Twitter. They use Twitter at a 17% higher rate than their Caucasian counterparts, those Asians do. Pinterest is just for women. It's, it is. That's just where women pin stuff and just 36% of whites use Pinterest, have a Pinterest account, whether they use it or not, who knows. 28% of the blacks have or use a Pinterest account, 32% of Hispanics, 30% of Asians. YouTube. YouTube is, when I say leaps and bounds, the most widely used, widely searched social media platform. I mean, it's not even close. 81% of whites use YouTube. 82% of blacks use YouTube. 86% of Hispanics use YouTube. 93% of Asians in this country use YouTube. YouTube is just where it's at. That's where you want your podcast. That's where you want your broadcast. That's where you want to advertise. That's where you want to create your Tommy G style content. Shout out to Tommy G. There's no other social media platform that's even close. TikTok. Where's TikTok at? Let me see. Okay. 28% of whites use TikTok. 
39% of African-Americans use TikTok, which makes sense. Black influence, if there is social media black influence, and there is, now it starts on TikTok. Maybe some years ago, it might have started on Instagram. I'm sure there still is some remnants of black social media influencers getting their start on Instagram, but clearly it's TikTok. 49% of Hispanics use TikTok and 29% of Asians use TikTok. And this new social media platform that I found out about, Be Real, 3% of whites use Be Real, that social media platform that I've never seen before, 1% of African Americans, 4% of Hispanics, and 9% of Asians. Asians use Be Real nine times more than African-Americans and three times more than Caucasians. So I'm going to take a break, come back, and let's get into income. Where are the people that make less than $30,000? What are their preferred social media platforms? And then the people that make better than $100,000, what are their preferred social media platforms? You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. I'll be right back. It's The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Talking about the demographics of social media usage, I'm going to take a little pause on that and get to some of the text messages you all have sent at 833-212-1017, Joseph says 99% of kids know video games are fake. You can't do that stuff in real life. Nah, it ain't that high of a percentage, buddy. You know the children don't have critical thinking skills yet because their brains are not developed? No, it depends on the age of the child. A 17-year-old, probably. A 6-year-old, nope. 10-year-old, uh-uh. Do y'all remember when a 10-year-old got mad at his mama? Because he wanted to order something off of Amazon. Y'all remember that? I think it was a gaming system, actually. Mama said no. Because sometimes mamas say no to their kids. And he shot his mother and killed her. Then he was taken into custody. His mother is dead and he killed his mother. Okay? You guys remember this? It was uh, 20 into 2022, maybe last year, 2023. He's taken into custody. He's 10 years old now. Kills his mother because his mother says no. Couldn't get a video game or something he wanted to purchase off of Amazon. When they start to question him about what he did, he killed his mother. Okay. You know what the first question he asked? Did my video game come in the mail yet? Now, for adults, it's easy for us to understand that video games aren't fake. But children sometimes, unless they have specific guidance and someone telling them, This isn't real. Telling them that, hey, these lyrics you hear in this music aren't real. Let me tell you that the influence is not just with children, because some of y'all will see a dance in a video and you will do the dance. That's not reality. That's somebody putting on a performance. But you then take their performance and bring it into your reality. Media has influence, whether it be on children or whether it be grown adults in their 60s who are getting duped by fake news and fake content on social media. So we can't say that kids don't know the difference between video games and reality because sometimes their parents don't know the difference either. 
Dion says, I still wear Tommy and Nautica. Of course you do, Dion, because you still live in 1994. Dion says, I get all my restaurants from Instagram. I get clothing ideas from Twitter. Well, maybe you should get off of Twitter. I love Twitter. You can use racial slurs with no penalty. <sighs> Monique says, what about the Clubhouse app? I don't know. What is that? I heard of it. There used to be a teen nightclub called the Clubhouse where you could go grind on girls. So back in my day, there wasn't really a lot of sexual assault because we just sexually assaulted each other. You can't, you can't dance. If you dance, like if you're a boy, I'm sorry, a cisgender heterosexual male whose pronouns are he and him. Can you just go up to a woman on the dance floor and mount her from behind? Do they still do that, Zach? I know they used to do it at. Where's the place on. On Oakland. Used to DJ there. What's it called? The theater. The Miramar. Miramar. Didn't. People would mount each other on the dance floor. Is that still a Something thing? Something like that. Well, now they probably just have sex. But it's, you can't do that anymore. We used to We used to do that. They make it work. But Clubhouse is if you take Twitter spaces yeah. and put it on its own app. So where you have a bunch of people and, you know, a group chat or a room, essentially, yeah. and there's a speaker or a host. And then the listeners. Oh, so like, I know what you're talking about. Like, And it was for celebrities at first or something. Because Twitter has, it's like a big conference call where you have a whole bunch of people in the room and then yep. you have to be selected to and speak. And you can like pick who can, you know, turn their microphone on. So I feel like it's like a Microsoft Teams with no video. I hate Teams. I hate it. Same. If I'm a dude virtual communication it's got to be zoom teams is just whack i hate it sure when you're gonna be on the teams meeting nope no i'm not it's not even i took it off my phone it's not even on my i don't want teams taking up memory on my phone meet with me in person covid is over y'all seriously it's over or just call me on the phone why you gotta because what's the difference between doing a virtual meeting and just calling somebody because if my camera is off then it's just a phone call call me just use, just call. Dion says, yeah, that woman was fine, too. She should have put him somewhere because he needed help. Dion, we got to put you somewhere because you need. Oh, agreement. All right. Where are the broke people? Where do they get their social media from? If you make less than $30,000, 63% of people that make less than $30,000 have a Facebook account. If you make less than $30,000, 37% of them have Instagram. If you make less than thirty grand, 13% are on LinkedIn. 18% of people that make less than thirty grand, 30 grand are on Twitter. 27% of people that make less than 30 Gs are on Pinterest. 27% of them are on Snapchat. 73% are on YouTube. Of all of the different income levels, so you got less than 30000 you got thirty to 69999 70000 to $99,999 a year and people that make $100,000 plus 
People that make less than 30 grand use YouTube the least of all of those income brackets. Oh, they have WhatsApp listed on here. If you make less than $30,000, 26% of those people making less than 30 grand are on WhatsApp. If you make between 30 and 69,999, that's the same as people that make less than 30, 26% of those folks are on WhatsApp. If you make 70,000 to 99,999, 33% of them are on WhatsApp and the highest income category, 34% of people who make $100,000 plus use WhatsApp. So as income goes up, so do the percentages of WhatsApp usage. Never saw the need or the benefit to WhatsApp. Take a break. Come back. Continue the conversation for hour two. The truth was sure when he was. Be right back.